0: So with that in mind now, Casey's going to come and read uh, this scripture out of John. Notice how Jesus describes the role of the disciples, of us.
1: I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit he prunes, make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches.
0: I want to invite the choir to come down and join the congregation this morning. You'll have a chance to come back up at some point, but I just think it's important this morning particularly that you just are down here. This is my teaching chair. It's getting old. You'll notice, uh, even this morning as I brought it in, the leg fell off. So being the guy that I am, guess what I did? (laughs) Amen, brother. And if I'd had bailing while, I would have used it. But duct tape. God's wonderful creation. And I have to tell you, it was. I mean, as Jack talked about, the straight man. um, As Gretchen knows, and maybe some of the other trustees know, here we are facing harvest dinner and trying to use the kitchen as much as possible and the water heater breaks, which spills water all over, and now the floor is once again curling, so um, talk about kitchen renovation, It's not where I'm going necessarily this morning, what I'm going to do differently this morning, and I, I, was, I was really challenged whether or not I wear my robe this morning and decided, no, I'm going to, this is not about that, I, I, I'm going to read my sermon to you this morning, and Jack's right, this is not the sermon I wrote for this Sunday until the last two days. And it, I'm excited about sharing this with you. Here we go. After a couple of pretty frustrating gatherings this last week, I decided to take the last couple of days to step back a bit, go on a mini retreat for thought and prayer and discernment about where we are as we approach not only the stewardship campaign, but a kitchen renovation and even a new year. I will now admit to you that over the last few years I felt that I was missing something and missing something major and I want to I assure you that it wasn't that you were missing something, it was me. I couldn't put my finger on it until Friday, then I remembered sitting with Joe Kim while he was here and now realized that he had nailed it. Then while away I took out a book and, and really even before I went away, I found this book, and it was one of those unusual times where, you know, I'm I'm gathering resources to begin to read, and (laughs) tucked way down in the front of my desk, if you've ever been in my office at home, it has shelves here and a huge bookshelf here, tucked down in the bottom, this book caught my attention. And Julie said, after worship, after first service this morning, she said, yeah, it was like God put a light on it and went, it's true. The book, the title of the book is is An Unstoppable Force. And it's by Erwin McManus, the lead pastor at Mosaic, a non-denominational church in Los Angeles. I met I met Erwin uh, while there. And reading it again over these last two days reminded me of two churches I've served: Sunnyside and Auburn. It also woke me up again to what we are being called to become. And what I've been missing. So again, suffice it to say that the sermon I wrote for this morning is not the sermon that you're going to be hearing. But first, let's go back to last week. I talked about Jesus and some of the eternal truths he examined. And then at both pastor's classes, morning and evening last week, I talked about Jesus as both a man of war and a man of peace. He was a man who waged war on the important things of his time. Things like poverty, the imbalance of powers, the understanding of God, and even the abuses that were being meted out in the systems that were already established in the interpretation of the laws. He took each of them on and taught others to do the same. He preached the gospel of action based in a relationship with the creator. He preached the gospel of servanthood based in relationships of love. He taught so that the appropriate actions would be defined and then went out physically and showed how those actions could work. And Jesus was truly the servant of all. After that realization, I really did begin to think and mostly pray. And I kept wondering, what is the cause that unites us here at Aldersgate? In the church in Sunnyside, it was easy. The issues were poverty and racism and gang violence. As that church took those on, it went from a church of 62 down to a church of 42. Did you hear that? A church of 62 shrunk to a church of 42. Then, out of that, it grew rapidly to a church of 215 and its zenith It hit 250 active in a church with 42 churches and 13,500 people. Why? Why did that happen? It found its vision and a united voice to back it up. And I remember sitting in the living room of one of the 20 who had left as we decided to deal with the gang violence straight up. Before I get to what he said, I want to tell you, we began to actively recruit gang members to come into the church, and actively recruited them into an alternative, and part of that alternative was an espresso business run out of the social hall at the church. It gave these Latino gang members, who thought they had nothing to offer but violence, and taught them business skills, marketing skills. Sales skills and the development of a product. And oh, by the way, about a year after we started the business, it became the largest espresso business in the whole of the Yakima Valley. Why? Because we delivered. And I don't mean we just delivered a product, we delivered it to anywhere in the Yakima Valley. And it's part of what got the attention of the community part of what got the attention of the community. Now back to the living room. I remember sitting there with Walt, and he said to me, I've left the church, Brad, because if God wanted us to have an espresso stand in the entrance of the social hall, he would have told us when we built it. (laughs) Dorothy will tell you, that is a direct quote. And he had 69 additional reasons that we shouldn't be doing outreach to gang members all saying, this is why I left the church. That, friends, is a stuck vision. It was releasing and engaging the vision and the needs of the community and focusing it on the needs of the community that allowed that church to become more than it had ever imagined it could be. In Auburn, it was similar. As I've shared with you before the church building was run down when we got there the gold carpet and it was this awful multi kind of it wasn't multicolored it was faded in so many places the gold carpet that ran down the middle of the sanctuary was so bad that as I keep saying you could have surfed on the rolls at the edges of the aisle the cross was 32 feet tall and sat at the front of the sanctuary. The sound system was terrible. The church had diminished to maybe 130 people. There were no screens to to, to allow worship to kind of grow into something new. There was no vision. And when there is no vision, the people perish. They weren't perishing, at least not all of them. But they were certainly leaving. Within three years, the sanctuary had been completely renovated. The social hall had added color and carpet, and the education wing was completely renovated and overhauled. How? The church found a shared vision and a shared voice as it declared war on the issues being faced by all too many in the community, particularly in South King County. Things like overwhelming domestic violence, growing poverty, poverty and community services on the edge of shutting down. The church stepped in and took action. It began to fill an aging hotel with furniture and and renovated it so that those victims of domestic violence would have a place to go. It began to offer forums to the community so that as needs arose, like autism was a growing concern in the community, they offered forums in the sanctuary to address some of those needs and to begin to build partnerships with others in the community. And then I think the crowning moment was they took a, a, a program that they had started 30 years before, a program for the neediest of the children and their parents in that community. And not only did they give permission for it to come, they renovated the education wing so that they could come. It's called ACAP, and that partnering, that got attention. And that attention in those works of service grew that church. The church stepped in and took action. It grew from 130 to well over 220 as it found its voice. So here are a few of the issues for us here in South Bellevue. We aren't faced with overwhelming domestic violence, at least on the surface. There aren't seven Latino gangs shooting each other. The social service agencies are in pretty good shape, and there isn't a lot of poverty or homelessness staring us in the face. It really is pretty peaceful around here, unless you're willing to look more deeply. If we do, we find that there is a shadow side to Bellevue and the surrounding community. We also know that the community is changing and there are a multiplicity of ethnicities and cultures moving in and that makes some of us really uncomfortable. Okay, what else? Well, most of us are pretty well educated. Most of us have college degrees, good jobs, and even some graduate degrees with great jobs. And at least most of us have pretty comfortable retirements. We're also a really smart bunch and I really mean that. With that kind of comfort, however, including everything I described before, our faith is less important to us. And I'm not saying that's either good or bad, it just is. For many here, our faith really isn't our guiding foundation or something we feel like we need overtly. Our heart, however, does. Our heart for others is that guiding force. Our desire, that which defines us more than anything else, is our desire to help and to serve. But that begs the question then, who, what, where, how, and when? Yes, we already serve at Sophia Way and Hammond House and Andrews Glen and Congregations for the Homeless, Crossroads at Habitat and a few other places yes we support specific outreach organizations in our community but what if instead of supporting a few missions we become a total church on a mission a church that sees its singular most important role as being in mission if we do that then it begs the question again who what when where and how and before answering that let me go back to what we are currently doing. Every single item, with the exception of the mini-mission trip last year at Lazy F, can only be done by adults. But adults aren't the only ones that make up this incredible congregation. So let me throw out some ideas for what it means to be totally, a totally missional church. Friends, if you look just down on the edge of the property, we have six to eight recovery groups who utilize a portable on our site. A portable on our site. I want you to notice that language. What if they became a mission of the church? What if we adopted them and built a gazebo with a a built-in ash canister where they could smoke out of the weather? What if we added adequate lighting on the path, even renovated the portable to make it more comfortable and let them know how much we cared about recovery? By doing those things and then throwing a dinner for them every year congratulating them on their continued search for recovery. What if once again we did a creek cleanup that involved not only the church but the city of Bellevue, the library, the preschool and schools like Puesta and maybe even added a bridge downstream a bit so that there were two or three ways to cross the water. I've said this before, but what if we built a trail for the community that could be a fitness trail or a meditation trail or even combine that with a labyrinth somewhere out on the property and stations where the community could stop and we could go out and stop and sit and ponder and relax and even pray? What if we had a birthday party ministry that provided all the fixings for birthday parties for those at some of the places where we already serve? or for the children in the shelters, or for single moms. It could even involve some of the convalescent homes in our area. We're already preparing to build what's called a Gaga pit. It's a great pit, and we just built one. Aldersgate just built one over at Lazy F, and we're looking at putting one out there on the property in the grassy area area over by the portables. But what if we also built some storage sheds for the preschool and the scouts? and maybe even some extras for the habitat homes and multi-use places, multi-family places that were already involved in helping build. And what if we offered window washing and leaf raping or raking or yard work for some of our more elderly members? And friends, don't even get me started about what we could do when the kitchen gets renovated. I have three pages of lists of what we can offer because of that work offered to the community. And here's just one. What if instead of saying that we are allowing the football team from Newport High School to use our facility, what if in the fall once a month we provided them dinner and allowed the parents and the coaches to not feel like they had to cook them dinner but but that we would provide that as just our offering to them because of who they are? I can go on and on on. And, on. and I want you to notice something about every single project I just mentioned. There are absolutely no age restrictions on any of them. And again, throw in the annual Lazy F Mini mission trip and other potential mission trips and you begin to see what I'm talking about. Here's the phrase that just kept coming up for me over these past two days. And it's based in a phrase that you've heard before, but I shifted one letter. The phrase is, each one reach one. Each one reach one. Each family, each church task force, each individual, each worship service, each social group, each classroom in the preschool, each one of those reach and offer help and support to at least one missional need in the community. And here's the best part of it. We, each of us, with missional Christ-centered eyes, begin to identify an area in the community where we see potential involvement of others in or support from the church I mentioned a few. Again, I have tons more. But here's the next thing I'm asking. That what I'm talking about becomes an expectation for anyone coming into the church and every member already here. Each one reach one. Then our mission statement makes even more sense. We're growing in faith, love, and health so that we can be strong in our service to others. Service is what completes us. You need to hear that again. Service is what completes us. But here's the other thing I'm asking of you. And I'll say it the same way I said for service. I'm not asking, I'm telling. A phrase that my children hate to hear. Please, don't come and tell me why we can't do this. Don't. Tell me how we can do this and even more. Jesus didn't just ask of his disciples to do service. He required it. So did Paul and the early church. It's why the early church grew so rapidly. They saw themselves being blessed, faith, love, and health, to be a blessing service. Let me close with this thought and then a challenge. Every high school in our area, I know Bellevue, I don't know about Renton. I would assume that it's true there too every high school in our area requires 10 community service hours a year for every student and 40 by the time they graduate. If they do 100 service hours over their high school career, they receive an award at Newport, and I love this name. It's called the Knight Valor Award. Knight Valor Award. There's a reason they do it. Research clearly states that children and youth involved in making a significant positive difference in the life of another human being are at significantly reduced risk for drug abuse, school failure, and uh, an incredible variety of antisocial behaviors. But when they do something that offers a positive significant change for another human being, guess what happens to them? Not only do they become less at risk, They become much stronger and tied into whatever that organization is that offers them those opportunities. I know about this intimately well. I had the privilege of working alongside those that created that research for years. I believe the same can be said of us as Christians. We become fully alive most readily when we help, heal, transform, lift up, encourage and offer hope to others. It goes even deeper when, like Christ, we seek to take on those who do harm, even take on those systems that cause some of the needs we see around us. Christianity is most naturally outwardly focused and action-oriented. It's what makes us who we are. It's what completes us. As faithful followers of Jesus, he is divine. We are the branches. We are the branches that make the vine continue to not only stay alive, but grow and bear fruit. We are now moving into this stewardship time, and it's the pledges that you offer to this church that will allow that. Dorothy and I are already raising our pledge and are donating to the kitchen. It begins there, but it has to go from there and outward. So here's the challenge now, and I close with this. By Charge Conference, which by the way is on next Monday, a week from tomorrow, dinner at 5.30, potluck, the meeting at 6.30. By Charge Conference next Monday, I challenge all of us to bring One idea of a mission or outreach project where an individual, a family, a small group, a large group, or even a whole church could become involved. But let's not stop there. I challenge every one of us, even in the midst of our busy lives, to begin to move toward and take on an organization or project and help. In addition, I would love to have us at Christmas Eve, that's just the beginning, charge conference. At Christmas Eve, everyone who attends the service. Bring another idea. And let's lay it on the table and look at those kinds of things so that then we have to make decisions about where all of us can be involved as a missional church. A missional church. Here's the last challenge. I want to bag worship. I'm just waiting for the pause. The poignant pause there. Don't clap. I want to bag worship at least two or three times a year. I want to come together on Sunday mornings and pray together as one body, maybe at 9 or 10 o'clock. And then that Sunday morning we go out and we do mission work. And we help places that need help or offer food to people who need help or food, clothing, and all those things that we take two or three Sundays a year Come together and pray, go out and serve, and come back for a meal, simple meal, soup and bread, and share stories. Missional church. Missional church. Friends, each one reach one. Each one reach one. It is the heart of who we already are at this church absolutely the heart of who we already are at this church. But I want to take it deeper. Close with this last thing. This morning as I came in, having been gone for two days, I pulled an envelope out of my box. And it was from the bishop. And it was what happens to every clergy who serve in a church for at least four years. And in it is a yellow form that you fill out to say, do you want to continue In ministry at the church you're presently serving. I am going to tell you, I'm not just going to say yes. I'm going to say, don't even send me this letter again for another four years. So that we can take this on together and dedicate ourselves to this work together for at least another four years, and I'm hoping eight. And that's the message I'd like to send back to the bishop because I feel like we're on the cusp. And finally, after knowing that I missed this piece, Holy Moses, I can't believe that I was that stupid. But I was. That blinded. That, ah, I don't know how to describe it. And I want to apologize to you for that. But we are now at the cusp of becoming something more. And part of that involves the kitchen. And part of that involves deciding that it is our faith, our love, and our health that allow us to go and be that service-oriented missional church at every level. Every level.